Hey guys, Bon Appetit Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport. This week, we're having a pesto roundtable. Kind of like what happened a few months back with our three carrot cake recipes. Uh, we realized that we had three recipes for pesto on bonappetit.com. A classic green pesto, a white pesto, and a red pesto, just like the uh, Italian flag. So, we got Andy Bergani, Carla Lolly Music, and Molly Boz in the studio talking about each of their respective recipes. Here we go. Me, 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 here. me, 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 Beautiful. Wow. <laughs> yeah, my, my I feel like, like Carla, as yes, the resident sir. as the resident Italian on this panel, what is pesto? The great question. The answer is simple and yet complicated at mm. the same time. There's pesto and then there's pesto alla genovese. And what we think of when we all just say pasta with pesto is pesto alla genovese, which is from a specific place namely Genoa, which is in Liguria. And the sauce there goes back like hundreds and hundreds of years, like 1700s, 1800s in there. And that's like on the northwest coast of Italy, sort of, uh, kind of central. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, west coast. Yeah. And so you've got some sea air, but it's mm. also famous for the pesto that they grow there, which is the Genovese pesto. Basil. Or sorry, they're famous for the basil that they grow there, which is the Genovese basil, which I is- I think it's the piccolo. The which teensy, is, yeah. tiny little guys. Like they would never, when you go to the supermarket and you get the clamshell with the big, giant, flappy no. palm tree <laughs> of a pesto, now those would be like, that's just used to you know clean out the drain or something i don't even know <laughs> so the little teensy tiny so it and it didn't always have pine nuts so pesto comes from the same word it's derived from the same word as pestle Mm. Which makes sense, right? Andy Pestle Baragani yeah, over back here. Back in the seventeen hundreds, I, I came up with it. <laughs> <laughs> they were. It's actually named after Andy, <laughs> and his use of the pestle. But it, the verb is pestare, to crush or clobber. Oh wow! Someone did the research. Yeah, I did a little. I did a little reading in books before I came here. Okay, but in your in your homeland, pesto as as a word is a more, is it kind of like salsa in Mexico, for instance, like it can mean any number of sauces? Kind of, so so yes, the, the kind of quintessential pesto is that combination of pine nuts, basil, garlic, olive oil, and parm. Pesto loosely interpreted just means any kind of pounded or clobbered sauce, right? So any kind of sauce that you would make in a mortar and pestle, or once we got the food processors, finely chopped in a food processor. So the herbs start to change. So you're using marjoram or parsley or, you know, cilantro would, or whatever. I would, so ne- then, I would never use marjoram. <laughs> it's a we slippery <laughs> It's a slippery slope then from pesto to just any kind of herb sauce. I did actually on Fourth of July recently last week have some Andrew or former colleague current colleague, but colleague at large, Andrew Knowlton, had a cilantro pesto, which he grilled on some lobsters that he split and then grilled, sort of yeah. open-faced, if you will. I what, think pes- what made that a pesto, then? It was cilantro. I think there was pine nuts and olive oil and garlic and stuff in there. I don't know if there was parm. That's a good question. Was it pounded? That's the question. It was yeah. either pounded or uh, or processed. Yeah. Right. But nice bright green. It was very right. pretty on the, on the lobster. So then Harold McGee, I was reading, 
on food and cooking also he had a little thing on pesto and he said that the more finely chopped or pulverized the herb the more all of the flavors are going to kind of meld together so like a coarsely chopped um, basil in a pesto is going to taste more of just like basil because like the pounding when you get into the pounding and the pestling and the food processing or the blending you're really breaking down all of the fibers and all of the er, you know cell walls in the Mm -hmm. herbs and then like everything can really just like smush into each other so it's more the the more you work it together the more it becomes a sum of its parts as opposed to just its parts yes and if you've watched um the salt fat acid heat episode where she's making pesto they're just like really working it in the mortar and pestle Okay, so right now on bonappetit.com, we have three pesto recipes up. Each of you guys representing one of them. We have Molly Boz over here. Say hi, Molly. Woo! <laughs> Molly has her red pesto. Andy has what's on the site known as BA's Best Pesto, which is Carla referred to as Pesto alla Genovese. And then Carla came up with this very radical white pesto, which we will get to. And there's a video for white pesto, and we were just texting about to yell at Matt Ducker, or had a video for that the fact that there is not videos yet for red and green, but they're coming, right? Red's coming this Thursday. Well, I'm it's shooting. Filming. I'm shooting this Thursday, yeah. And then it's going to the editing process, so it Oof, might take a little could while. Be and you already... Green uh, has been Have shot. Been? I think it's coming out in August? Okay, it better be, or else Matt Ducker's going to get yelled at some more. Okay, so let's, let's start with you, Andy. Let's talk about this pesto with that Carlos uh, set up, the classic pesto. What makes a good one? Because I think we've all had those versions that like, why is it so army green? Or why is it like separating where you see the little flecks of the basil, but it doesn't feel like a sauce? Or, you know, there's things that can go wrong. When it goes right, I think it's like my favorite pasta sauce, to be honest. But we've all had the not right versions. I think what makes a really good kind of mm, pesto genovese is where it's not too garlicky. Uh, Mm. where the basil isn't too spicy. I think that's why you should look for the kind of smaller, more delicate, sweeter leaves. Not too much parm, you know, just enough. I think it's a really balancing act of combining all the different ingredients. Because you can always add more parm after the fact, Uh, on top of the pasta. I mean, mean, once you've already tossed the pasta, you can certainly... Put yes, parm on you top can put of your more pasta. parm in, in the pasta. That's what you're serving your pesto with. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Sorry. Sorry. Yes, we, Molly. I feel like a lot of the subpar classic Genovese pestos I've had are subpar because they lack in oil. Like I feel like you need a lot more fat than you think you need, and then that gets mingling with the pasta water and maybe a little bit of butter, and that's when things start to like really coat the noodles. Okay, but like oh, for instance, okay. in our August issue, which comes out shortly, we have BA's Best Pesto, and I'm not going to go off on the food stylist, but I feel like in that photo, it felt like, unlike the photo of Andy, your original pasta, where it felt mm-hmm. so emulsified and creamy green, this one, it felt like the, the oil separated from the basil mm-hmm. and looks like flecks of herbs as opposed to this really, this come together sauce. How do you get to that almost creamy state when there's no cream or butter in there? So you have two forms of fat. You have the fat from the olive oil and then you have the fat from the pine nuts. So I like, this uh, recipe has it definitely probably more pine nuts than a lot of typical pesto recipes. I use half a cup of pine nuts. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people call for like maybe a quarter cup maybe for for a pesto that makes one and a half cups yield. And you toast them. I toast them in the oven. 
until they're golden. I don't take them too, too far. I don't want them to get bitter. And that just brings out the flavor? Just their natural oils, their sweetness, that nutty, nice pine nut flavor. And then I let them cool, put them in the food processor. We're going the kind of new school route with the food processor. And then let them cool, and then I pulse them with Parmesan that's been finely grated. Uh, I use a microplane. And uh, two cloves of garlic that's been also finely grated. And this is just to make sure there's no bitsy piece of Parmesan, garlic, everything really comes together quickly. And I pulse until it becomes a kind of almost like a paste. The pine nuts have broken down, the garlic cheese have all come together. And then once you have that, I add uh, six cups of basil leaves. When wow. Six, yeah, a and lot. Just because this is always one of those things in recipes, sometimes we say it, sometimes we don't. Packed or unpacked, like is that six loose cups or what does that mean exactly? I think we stopped saying packed mm-hmm. because of you. <laughs> so, <laughs> sure. so, so, so you- I... So it's it says six mean. cups basil leaves, which is about three bunches, we say. Or that's like six handfuls, kind six of, handfuls. right? Would you say yeah, a handful handfuls. is a cup? I, made, I actually made this recently, uh-huh. and I kind of like, I didn't, I pushed them in a little bit, because yeah. otherwise, little the basil, you, you if you what? just let it like, you you're know, pile up in there. Yeah, your yeah. handful yeah. of leaves, you can make <laughs> yeah. it look. Yeah. And also six cups, you kind of have to fill like a two cup measure a couple times or, or keep going back. Mm-hmm. I was at my mom's house. She has a two cup flat measure. It's really, anyway. Um, but it, it was, I would definitely recommend not using the clamshell. Like go no. find bunches of basil. Otherwise you're going to buy just a ridiculous amount of those little yeah. pre-packaged, they're like one ounce mm-hmm. packages. I would just say this time of year, as you start to see basil at all, your green market, farmer's market, whatever, which A, it's abundant. B, always wash the farmer's market basil because that can get sandy. Yeah. Yes. I tend to look for basil as, as that's a little bit younger, smaller leaves. I find them a little bit sweeter. As uh, you go into kind of late July, August, September, the leaves, the basil leaves get larger, more mature, and a little too spicy for me. Mm. Kind of like with baby arugula and bigger exactly, arugula. Exactly, exactly. And so uh, I add the basil to the food processor, not torn, whole leaves, uh, pulse that a little bit, and I stream in three quarters cup extra virgin olive oil. It's a lot of oil. It's a lot of oil. Uh, but you so but just sorry because there's a lot here so you you pulse it a few times to incorporate the basil but you don't overdo it I don't overdo it and then you keep the motor running as you stream in the basil the olive oil yes three quarters cup extra virgin olive oil I will say like I like to go for an olive oil that is more fruity lighter olive oil from the Liguria region tends to taste like that uh, compared to other olive oils that are really spicy and peppery, mm. I don't want that because that tends to overwhelm the pesto to, altogether. Uh, so I tend to avoid that. So use your spicy peppery olive oil to finish certain dishes, but don't use it here with the pesto. So as you're streaming, it, to give us a sense of how steady or sort of tight of a stream, like how long should that take? Not less than a minute. Okay. Yeah, it, it happens fairly quickly. And then I season it with some salt, about a teaspoon and a half. It, it needs Ooh, it, yeah. uh, even though you have like the saltiness from the Parmesan. And then from there, it's kind of ready to be used. So my question is, sometimes when you go to restaurants, and I don't, is 
you know how sometimes you get you order like the fancy like homemade fresh pasta the it's not quite proper deli no. but yeah kind of handkerchiefy ones yeah, yeah, you know yeah. yeah and the pesto almost has a it looks like there's cream in it it's <laughs> creamy green as opposed to bright dark green does that are they adding something they're to that at, they're, I mean it's exactly what I did and I I add butter to it mine oh so you I, add butter I do when add do you bu- do that once you cook the, you cook your pasta al dente. And then you place the pesto in a in a large bowl. You're not bringing, you're not emulsifying the pasta and the sauce, or the, you're not emulsifying the sauce here. So you combine the al dente pasta, the pesto, and then I add two tablespoons unsalted oh. butter. Yeah. Do you do the pasta water thing? Uh, it takes a little bit of pasta yeah. water too. Yeah, I think half a cup. Yeah. Not as much as like usually we're calling for no. one or one and a half cups. Yeah. I mean, even with the the amount of olive oil, it's still pretty thick. Yeah. So uh, that's. What, I mean, I will typically when I make pesto at home and I do it a lot in the summer times it'll it'll almost be I don't want to say chunky but it's not a sauce and I kind of put a big dollop in a in a serving bowl and then before I add the pasta I will do a, a splash of pasta water to the chunky pesto and kind of mm-hmm. swirl it about so it thins out and then I'll add the pasta yours is not that tight it's very free flow it's emulsified yeah the pesto before you add the butter before you add the butter yeah I mean I what I usually do is I Place the pesto, add the pasta, give it a toss, see how much kind of pasta water I need, uh, and the butter as well, the, the two tablespoons. But I don't think you need too much pasta water okay. with, with, uh, with right. this. Boz, what do you think? Well, I actually had pesto last night at King, mm. and it was one of those situations where I was like, this is the creamiest pesto I've ever had in my life. Is there cream in here? But I, I don't think there was. I really think that it's a matter of... N- making that emulsion happen Mm -hmm. once you start tossing it together like it's sort of like creating any sort of sauce and if you think about the fact that there is cheese there's butter and there's pasta water in this without even talking about the olive oil and the basil Mm -hmm. that's like the basis for a really nice glossy emulsified creamy pasta sauce so you're sort of like building off of that concept and as you whip olive oil olive oil becomes more opaque as it Mm -hmm. sort of mixes with those ingredients instead of just clear i think there may be one other factor in the creaminess of the the nice restaurant pasta which is the quality of the pasta itself Mm. like some We've been talking about this a lot in my family because we make linguine with clams. Whenever we're together on Friday night, we make pasta with clams. And depending on the brand of pasta, the like really artisanal ones that are kind of pushed through the dye Mm -hmm. have a rougher surface texture. And that absorbs the sauce in a different way. And like the starches of the pasta kind of get involved in the sauce more, which maybe it's just a higher quality pasta as opposed to like your standard issue. Mm-hmm. That's kind of like glossy Mass on the outside. Produced, yeah, yeah. It's, it's very, um, like yeah, exactly. Almost. And it's very shiny and it's very slippery and I don't feel like it interacts with the sauce the same way and kind of stays like more slippery and less creamy. Two points before we move on to the red pesto. I like in your note, Andy, in the, in the recipe, talking about A, you're making this in advance. After you put it in the storage container, drizzle a little olive oil on top to sort of seal that Mm -hmm. greenness in and then put a tight sort of plastic wrap on top, pressing against the olive oil. So that way it'll stay bright green. I also like the notion you pointed out like, well, it depends if you're serving it with pasta. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I will, if I see pesto on a menu, I pretty much always order it, no matter what. I remember as like a 
as an intern at Washingtonian Magazine. This was 1990, so back in the day, pre you guys. But Carl can remember this, like going to a sandwich shop in downtown <laughs> Damn, D.C. slight burn. Well, I'm not, no, it's just you know we're, we're more contemporaries. These guys yeah. are the youngsters, mm-hmm. but going to get a at this sandwich shop getting a pesto chicken salad yeah. and my head exploded i was like wait what and i was like this is, i would get it like every day it was like the best thing i've ever tasted <laughs> pesto chicken salad i have like no love in my heart for like grilled chicken with pesto on it oh, i'm just well. like leave it to the pasta because <laughs> you're not getting like that nice beautiful emulsified luxurious sauce when you're just like throwing it on grilled chicken right it's like it's a cop out it's, it's a also california a... thing maybe I well that's true it's like that. a 90s thing yeah it's a half step to a pesto mayo too. Oh, I yeah. love pesto <laughs> mayo. Oh my god, oh, so good. On, no, dude. I do. I had some this weekend up in Maine when I was up there with every other person editor from Bon Appetit, from Bon App, <laughs> and there was um, we ordered like a sandwich and it came on the side with a little basil pesto mayo tried to offer it to Marlon <laughs> and he just like are you kidding me and wanted no part of it. And I was like, well, I'll use all the pesto mayo then. So, Boz, you, I don't know, where did this red pesto idea come from? Well, it came because, well, first of all, there is a classic Italian pesto called pesto rosso, which, or otherwise known as pesto trapanese, which is a Sicilian pesto that doesn't have any basil in it, but has either plum or cherry tomatoes as the base for it, With basically. almonds. I believe I did that With for almonds. the VA.com a couple years ago. You did. I'm sure it was delicious, but I wow. tend to I don't to think that feel... sounded like a, that sounded like <laughs> well, you I weren't never... so sure. Well, b- because <laughs> where I'm going with this is that it's not actually red when by the time that you pound the nuts and the fresh tomatoes mm. and add cheese and then pasta and pasta water like it's kind of ruddy. A, a little Oh, it it actually looks <laughs> it looks more like bolognese. Right, the, it's the, got the that nuts, like it has a chunkiness mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. Yeah, that. and it's a little bit more like orangey, rosy hued. Yeah, to be generous, yeah. So I so when we thought of this like idea of red pesto, I wanted it to be red. And so my concept initially was I'm gonna I make, like that you're dissing just hundreds of years of tradition in Italy. Like no, I don't it's want to be mostly just mine. Because I, I see the photo <laughs> in my head. But also there I as part of my book research this morning, I was looking in Lindia Bastianich, like that classic of Italian cooking, and that recipe is in there. But the thing That's about, where I got my recipe from. So, but back in the day, there were no photos in the cookbook, so you could yeah. just use your imagination. <laughs> you didn't all, pretend it was bright red. You didn't have red. to worry about all this, like, oh, we have to shoot it, and then the color. I would like to suggest that that photo that you saw was uh-huh. not the pe- pesto trapanese's fault, but I want to say it's bad lighting. Sure, whatever <laughs> Which, it is, as we know, is very. Possible. I think we were due for an update. Okay, is all I'm saying. Okay, yeah, and. The other kind of concept behind this was originally that I felt pretty strongly that I wanted to bring back sun-dried tomatoes. Oh, because yes. speaking of pesto mayo and Carly, things you and from I the past, I do sun-dried remember tomatoes. sun-dried tomatoes. I'm I mean, everyone hates them <laughs> these days, and I used to love them maybe like ten years ago, and I haven't really had one since. So I think I had this like false idea of what they could be. But in my mind, because that's such a concentrated version of a tomato, and it's so deeply, darkly red, it would be the perfect thing for this pesto. Turned out that wasn't the case. I went through was maybe- it, Was it too intense, or what was wrong with them? Yeah, they're so acidic and concentrated and almost funky mm. in their intense flavor that it, they just like 
didn't translate well. In did the it pesto break down very well? I, mean, I can't imagine it breaking down. It did. I mean, it, I got the ones that were oil packed. So uh, like they're a little bit more supple than those like leathery. super dry leathery ones. But even so, the flavor was just so overwhelming. I just felt like I was just diving into a jar of sun-dried tomatoes every uh, every bite that I took. <laughs> and it just wasn't working. And was I just it, don't think they have a place. Was it also that you needed, in order to get that concentration of color and sauce, that you just needed like you need a so lot of much them. of them? Totally. So like, so maybe going back to 1986, like those little slivers, <laughs> you know, scattered. Right? They're meant they to really... be used sparingly and right. not like three quarters of a cup of them in a sauce. So then I went down this other rabbit hole of like, well, what are the other red ingredients in the pantry that I can pull from? And it's actually quite limited. There's ketchup, which obviously isn't <laughs> happening. There's sriracha. Sriracha. There's tomato paste, which did find its way into my recipe later on. There are Tomatoes. Calabrian chilies, which I messed around with, but are also so funky that when paired with the sun-dried tomatoes, it was like, Funk Town USA and just not good. <laughs> so I almost gave up on developing this recipe because I was like, you know, what? it's just not meant to be like a really truly red pesto just isn't a thing. And let's just move on to the next and we'll do like yellow pesto. I think I was on vacation because I remember getting sort of like a I'm Ooh. I'm at like 80 percent of giving up here because I've done it everywhere so on the times. highway. And I was like the dream like we had a slack exchange about like, is this where the dream dies? <laughs> Yeah, and because then we had always talk about this. Yes, I, I was so close. Act three. I was act three, and I pushed through and came out the other end with what is now on the website called Red Pesto Pasta. But what I ultimately had to do was lean on tomato paste for that red, super concentrated tomato flavor. But it gets cooked out in a little bit of oil with some anchovies, some garlic, and some olive oil and walnuts. You toast the walnuts first. So yeah, walk us through what's the step okay. by step. So anchovies, smashed garlic, olive oil, and walnuts get cooked in a little saucepan. Do you They're toast not the toasted. Walnuts? No, not no, they get all together. together. They're, They're toasted, toasted in, the in the oil. Okay, gotcha. All right. So you're kind of just heating those for a couple of minutes until everything gets like golden brown. You're seeing a little bit of color on the garlic, but the garlic cloves are whole and smashed, so they're not getting much color, just kind of blooming it. And then, ooh, blooming. That's a very Andy Baragani word. <laughs> and then you add a couple tablespoons of tomato paste to that mixture and cook the tomato paste out. Can I ask a lot of times in, sorry, I raised my hand. You so polite. You did but you, you often, when you watch cooking shows and stuff, or you guys on the YouTube, uh, professional chefs will talk about how you should always cook the tomato paste a bit before you incorporate it into a recipe. What, what is that? What is the cooking of the tomato paste in a pan due to the tomato paste? It's taking off that kind of raw tomato flavor and bringing out more of like the natural sweetness in the tomato. It's sort of tinny and acidic yes. when it comes out of the tube totally. or the jar. And so you want to sort of mellow it out and cook off some of that okay. off flavor. Cool. Um, so that happens for a couple of minutes and then the whole thing gets food processed with some fresh Fresno chilies for heat. Ooh. So this is a spicy pesto. So these are not smoked chilies that's smoked, yes. That's what you call them, dried, dried, sorry. No, just fresh, so like little red Fresnos. And what else goes into it? A little bit of lemon juice. There's a lot, there's like a lot of like briny, fatty, intense flavors in this pesto. Because we're gonna get to the white pesto to complete our Italian flag shortly with Carla. Did you consider 
lemon zest as opposed to lemon juice. I did, but lem- there's a there's already like a lot of bitterness in this pesto oh, and lemon zest tends So the walnuts are kind of bitter and tannic or can right. be the, the anchovies the, yeah. when they get fried out the garlic. Yeah. So it's all it's all kind of like leaning in that direction anyway. So I chose juice instead of zest. Okay, good answer. And then similarly to Andy's pesto, after it all comes together into this like bright red paste, you transfer it to a bowl, cook your pasta to al dente, throw the pasta into the bowl with a couple tablespoons of butter, and toss together with- No pasta water? With pasta, with pasta water. Wait, do you incorporate the pasta water first into the, the pesto, or do you just do the pet pasta water with the pasta and everything else? You know what I mean? It's like I let any water that's like piggybacking on the pasta Ooh. come on over into the bowl <laughs> with it. Everyone's welcome. And then give it a couple tosses uh-huh. with the butter and the pesto, like Andy, see where things are at. I have my reserve of pasta water ready, and I'll continue adding that until it feels like really glossy and coated and Okay, so for the red. for kids out there and for Adam Rappaport's out there, how anchovy forward would you say your pesto is? I, man, I really wish I had made it for you today. It's not anchovy forward. There's so much else going on. I've had it. It's very delicious. And I think cheese is- It's not fishy. No, not at all. I think there's, how many are there? There's There's six. But there's so much acidity in that that pasta, I think it can take it. And tomato and anchovy together is just like so With garlic? I mean, forget about it. I did take, I enjoyed it. I did did not- You tried it? I tried one of the versions. I don't know where you were. Way, way. That was the sun dried (laughs) tomato pasta. I don't think I tried sun dried tomato pesto. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I tasted it and I, I enjoyed it. I, I did not find it. I don't. Like I said, I, I did not find it that anchovy forward. I was just wondering where you eventually ended up, and whether or not. I think if you're super sensitive to it, like Scale cut it back. in half. Yeah. And work from there. Can, and totally. another thing about anchovies that we've learned over the years is, they really vary so much in quality, and it is it is worth. Buying a slightly nicer anchovy, they taste way better. Well, what I don't understand. So, how do you know what a nicer anchovy is? They probably cost more. They're imported from Italy. They're covered in oil. You can look at the jar and kind of see whole beautiful fillets of anchovy as opposed to some of the cheaper ones that come in the tin. You don't really know what's going on there. You can't do a, you know, can't do a visual check until you get it home and open the can. So, in in a glass jar imported from Italy in oil. You can also sometimes see like the the flesh is a little bit rosy still. Mm -hmm. And that is generally oh, indicative gotcha. of like a fresher, meatier, fleshier anchovy. Wow. Right. Not tips. so gray mm. and like, Drab. you know, there's just a variance mm. in quality. It was a swimming in the sea. So but you're using so few that it's worth investing. You know, they stay forever in their oil or for a long time. So it's worth spending an extra four or five dollars per jar. That jar lasts you so many different dishes. You so know? many pestos. So many pestos, so many Caesar salads. Yeah. Okay, so we have red pesto, <laughs> simply called red pesto. Yep. On the red website. Red pesto pasta. Red pesto pasta. We have Andy's classic BA's best pesto, which is the Genovese pesto. And then Carla over here was like, well, I'm making white pesto. I'm going to complete the flag. Yeah, the old gray lady just had to come in with the white <laughs> pesto. I'm trying to remember because we did have a big ideas meeting where we pitched like several months worth of digital stuff. And I know I pitched white pesto. But I'm trying to remember if we also were like, and we'll do red too because the green was already. I think that's what happened. Slated, so I think that that was like part of the triumvirate from the beginning. So white pesto pasta, I swear to God, and I haven't like gone back and found the exact original source. I think I came across something in one of these, what my Lydia book or my Giuliano Bugiali book or whatever that of a walnut ricotta and walnut 
pesto. And that was really the inspiration for me was to kind of, whereas a regular pesto alla Genovese would have a lot of herbs and a little bit of cheese and a little bit of nuts to do kind of the inverse of that with like a little bit of herbs and a lot of cheese and a lot of nuts. So this one is built on toasted walnuts, fresh ricotta, garlic, a little bit of oregano, and parm. First question. Yes. I find raw walnuts almost inedible, but toasted walnuts that come out of the oven, like, ooh. What Very. is the best way to toast a walnut, for instance? These ones, I, I this is our standard 350 on a sheet tray, you know, rim baking sheet, until very golden. So six to eight minutes and for these. W- and that when you cut it in half, it should be consistently brown all the way through? Exactly. So where, where the outside color is change but also yes the inside color should be the texture changes a lot too they get much more brittle as opposed to like that more like cashew kind of creamy coconutty texture yeah but i I mean i find like because i i there were some in the kitchen the other day and i kept nibbling them uh, for someone's recipe i apologize but they they become (laughs) nutty and fragrant as opposed to that sort of almost tannic acidicness of like raw walnuts that sort of leave that metallic taste yeah they're super tannic i feel like totally And I did kind of phase this out so that you could put your big pot of pasta water on to boil and then prep everything basically at the same time. So, and you can go check out, Carla's video is up now on YouTube um, for White Pesto. So you've got your your toasted nuts that you're chopping on a board and you make the point of like, it's okay, they don't all have to be the same size. You can have some big chunks, you can have some little more crummy chunk, crummy pieces. Yeah, this is a little bit less of... It does totally emulsify, but I there's not a lot of texture. So the to leave a little bit of that nut texture in the sauce is okay. And I also decided not to use a food processor and not to use a mortar and pestle because a mortar and pestle not everybody has. So then if you're calling for mortar and pestle, you kind of have to give the alt of a food processor. But if you don't have a mortar and pestle, you can just DM Andy and he can give you one of his. Send you one. One of my yeah. 112. Yeah. <laughs> so wait, then is it a pesto? Well, that was the thing. So I ended <laughs> up like, I didn't want to use a mortar and pestle because I, I actually did want to use a mortar and pestle. The truth course, is we all I do. really wanted to use a mortar and pestle. And I, didn't want to use a mortar and pestle, I guess, more than I wanted to use a food processor. It was like, I want to use a mortar and pestle, but the food processor just felt like wrong. And like, it's just this other big thing that you have to then clean. And it's like kind of annoying, takes up a lot of room in your dishwasher, but also you're like, you might cut your hand open if you don't use the dishwasher. It's just like, I don't want to deal with the food processor. I think what's so cool about this recipe, and you can watch the video, is that you place these constraints on yourself and it ended up turning out that, A, you didn't really need either of those. No. And that the sauce became this unique thing partially because of the parameters placed on it. Yeah. And that was like part of the fun for me was kind of figuring out can I, how, yeah, how few pieces of equipment can I use? Is it technically a pesto? Did I clobber it? Did it, I crush it, or clobber? I don't know. It is It <laughs> is a pesto if you call it a pesto. Maybe if you write into the recipe, like smashing the nuts with the side of your knife, sort of pounding them. I guess. Mm. You'll relieve yourself. So, I mean, issue. I did finally chop it, which I would say is a form it's of like crushing. Pro- it's, it's, yeah. it's, manu- yeah. it's manual food processing. I definitely clobbered the lemon because it had to be finely grated and you can't get lemon <laughs> zest off a lemon without really clobbering it. Okay, so we have 
pasta going and heavily salted, substantially salted water. Yes. You've got a cutting board with a bunch of nuts chopped up. Yes. Then you have a big mixing bowl. Yeah. So the walnuts, after they're finally chopped, get combined with the ricotta, four ounces, okay. half a cup, right, fresh much. ricotta, lemon zest, garlic that's raw, but there's only one clove. Yeah. So don't you, you know how sometimes there's like those outer guys that are, are just huge. like, yeah, gigantic. That's why people always say it calls for one clove, and I'm like, well, is it one little clove? Is it one big clove? I know. Or, or the lot that, lot I that specify. Just comes, or personal taste also, I think, comes down to. Some people yeah, want a lot of garlic. But I totally agree with what Annie was saying at the beginning. Like, too much raw garlic and a sauce, so- it'll just ru- it'll yeah. ruin everything. But That's- you need a little bit for the zingy. There's so much fat going on in this. Right, so, sauce. so in the boil, so you got the the ricotta, some grated, some lemon zest, not the lemon juice, but lemon zest this time. You grated garlic, grated garlic, all the nuts go in there, and the um, oregano. Oh yeah, fresh so that, oregano. That's your herb of which you're using the inverse of. Whereas you use a lot of basil. You're yeah, using... there's six cups of basil and two teaspoons of finely chopped <laughs> oregano. And I feel like the first time I did it, Molly was there. I used parsley, and yeah. we couldn't taste anything at all. Yeah. So I went with like a. Well, because I didn't want it to be super green. I feel like I would have needed to use a ton of parsley mm-hmm. to get the flavor of the parsley, but then it was wouldn't be white. It would be another green one. Yeah. Just to, just to interject, for we were using fresh oregano, See? not not the pizzeria out of a jar of oregano. No, you need the fresh oregano, which you know can be overpowering in large quantities. But that was kind of the point was that you could use two teaspoons, which was about two sprigs of oregano, and actually get payoff of that. And when the hot pasta and the pasta water hits the herb it really like opens up all of those compounds and you like ooh, you really smell it at this point so you're then just stirring all these ingredients together with the like a spatula or a wooden spoon or yeah. something and parm there's parm, and parm in there too which you need for like a little bit of the the ricotta is like so much on the sweet milk side of the spectrum yeah. you need that like salty sharp milk Can I have a flavor ricotta timeout for a second sure i was on the instagram this weekend and when all these editors were up in Maine, did you, why say you guys the on the Instagram? On the Instagram, okay. Yeah. Anyways, this just in. all up on the Instagram. So Alex Delaney and Rachel Carton and friends were at this pizzeria up in Sullivan, Maine, and it was a pizza with all like these like ricotta blobs on it. I'm like, I just find ricotta on pizza like not okay. No, it's just it's so dairyish. It's just overwhelming. I kind of like it. Really? Yeah, I do. I get it. Like, I don't want to just bite into like a big clump yeah, of I ricotta. Yeah. Like I understand if it's like a little schmear and then there's a lot of other like mozzarella and provolone and things happening. Oh, too much cheese. I find I that, that that four cheese, exactly. oh my God, too okay. much. But no, when it's just like good and it sticks to the roof of your the mouth and it's like this it. dairy blob and I'm just like, I have a stomach ache just looking at yeah. it. Anyways, that's the thought. All right, so back to yours. So you've incorporated okay, so it all together. Not to like throw a ton of shade on ricotta right in the middle of this, but yes. <laughs> cannoli, I love a ton of ricotta and a cannoli, but then the sugar sort of like leavens it or something. Definitely. All right, so you got your creamy bowl going, the herbs yep. incorporated, pasta's going. Pasta's going. So then, unlike these other two, I put an entire cup of pasta cooking liquid directly into the pasta. That makes the most sense because it, it, it loosens up the pesto. You know the consistency di- from the start. This one, it just needs it. And yeah. it when you pour it in, the first few it's, times I did it, I was like, it looks wrong. Yeah. I mean, it just looks like you took something that was creamy and holding together and like kind of could smear it on a cracker and call it a day and turn it into like weird ricotta soup. But <laughs> when the pasta goes in there's a lot of tossing and tossing and tossing going on but can i'm we, not like we... worried about like bruising 
an herb yeah, or you're something. Gonna it. And like, yeah, this just needs it needs the time. Can we talk about how much tossing? If you are not like slightly worried about starting to sweat, you haven't tossed it enough. So you literally it's are saying two about two full, full minutes. Two full minutes of with the tongs, yes. tossing the long pasta over it. Because when you first put it in, it's 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 too liquidy, right? It's like if you just tossed it over into that liquidy thing, it would be soup, pasta soup. It just is yeah. kind of gross. Um, I think at one point I had like a spoon in one hand and the tongs in the yeah. other, like really getting in and there. And as you're tossing it, the, the starchy pasta is absorbing that water, yeah, right? Yeah, the pasta Basically. is absorbing some of it. The cheese is getting heated up by the pasta. So oh, then it's yes. changing its like form yeah. basically like the the parm is going from a dry grated thing to like a stretchy wow shiny thing Harold right McGee over here i mean it's just like what's happening and yeah there's definitely a lot just with the the action you know the action of the tossing and then all of a sudden you look down and it's like oh it's almost too tight in the video i like kept doing it and then i had to go back i went from like soup to something that actually i want a little more pasta water and so, you can keep adjusting. So you added pasta water after you had tossed it to me. That, that's okay to go back to the pot of pasta water. 100%. And I think that's always important to know as you're making pasta at home, don't dump out the pasta water right, right away because like you might need some more. That's so why always... we're big proponents in like taking tongs or a spider. Take the pasta out of the pasta water instead of dumping, dumping the into a colander. Yeah. Yeah. But I did. There was one day I was talking to Mark Ladner. This was a few years mm. ago. And we were talking about pasta. And I was like, oh, the worst is when, well, the worst is when you overcook your pasta. But then I was like, but the other worst is when you accidentally dump the pasta before you scoop out your pasta water. And he, who, he was the chef at Del Posto, famous for pasta. He was like, we never use the pasta water to emulsify the sauce. I was like, what? what? What are you talking about? He was like, no, the pasta water was so salty. And over the course of the night, it would get starchy. And it was like an unreliable liquid to use Could- in that restaurant setting. And I was like, well, then what the heck did you yeah. use? He was like, just water. Hot water. So that once. Now, I, I've never done that on purpose. But it is nice knowing. You can if you That have if you to. have an accident, <laughs> you can just use well, water. It's fascinating. If you go to a place like Del Poso and some of these. Italian restaurants with really nice kitchens. They their pasta water is often it's like a fry later. They have right. baskets that just go into this what, over the course of the night becomes super starchy, salty water that they I, doesn't seem like they change out. It's they just keep adding the water. You can they keep, keep adding, adding water. water to it, but, but it, yeah. it's a it's a opaque, grayish, whitish, starchy <laughs> bath that these the pasta's hanging out in. And then you toss our sauce. Serve. Toss, Do toss, you toss. serve with a lot of cracked pepper? Oh, I love a lot of cracked pepper. I don't tell you to do that, but a little parm on the side to sprinkle over. Well, you know what? On the internet, we can make that adjustment. We can. Yeah. Oh, actually, is there even any pepper in it? Yeah, there is. Fresh ugly. <laughs> I got Woo. really scared for so a So let me ask you a question before we go. Me specifically? You're looking I'm, at me. I'm all masking. I'm looking at you, talking to okay. all of You've you. You've made a lot of pasta recipes, Moss. Yeah. Yeah. And videos, reason. too. I'm like the pasta lady pasta. on YouTube. It's yeah. weird. Um, <laughs> If we were to do a taste test for the staff of red pesto, green pesto, white pesto, all next to each other, tossed with the same type of spaghetti or long pasta of choice, take a poll of, say, 30 people, which pesto do you think would win? Win what? Taste test. Like what their favorite like pesto is. Like most delicious? Yeah, most like their favorite. You have to pick, if everyone to ask, rank them, wh- whose pesto do you think? I not- never had the white pesto. I never um, tried it. Let's do it. Yeah, we should really do it. Can we not do it today, though? I'm no. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think it's such a matter of personal preference. Like, 
I think what you would, yes. I obviously don't have your vote over here with anchovies, and that's not fair. <laughs> well, I that's because my would... trapanese was perfect. We didn't need another red pesto. <laughs> Why don't we put your trapanese in the lineup as well? Oh, oh we, there you yeah. Go. I think what you end up is, with is people are going to do, like, they're all good, but, you know, if I had to choose just one, they're going to do a process of elimination. They're going to go with Genovese. Absolutely. Yeah, just because that's the one like that they know and love already. They're going to have preconceived notions. But I've tasted all three, and I think all three are delicious. And you can you can taste them too if you go to bonappetit.com. For, Would you look at that? Look at that. that. Segue for so pasta. Yours is white pesto pasta. White pesto pasta. EA's best pesto. Red pesto pasta. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced by Carrie Polis and Christina Che, and produced and edited by Emma Wartsman. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wartsman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to tell us about this or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.